This week's episode is brought to you by the Minnesota Wild, who coughed up a two-goal lead in the third in like five minutes. Here's to you, Minnie. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Allison, you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for November 21st, 2016. Coming up on the show, we'll try to put into words just how awesome Nathan's McKinnon week was, plus roster decisions and AJ Greer, and an updated look at the goaltending controversy, but before we play the whoosh, say hello to your disembodied voices of the week. It's Ryan Murphy, hello Ryan. Hello. And it's Earl 06, everybody, Earl 06. Hi. So, with that said, let's just get to it. We took off last week because the producer, hi, had to deal with the real world for a while. But in the last week, okay results. On Tuesday, Avs win 4-1 over the LA Kings with Patrick Weirkosh, Rene Borg, Blake Como, and Gabriel Landeskog into an empty net, all getting on the board. Uh, and this was a strong team game, but it was led by 10 shots from Nathan McKinnon. 10. That's not a typo or uh, a misspeak. That is an actual stat. And 32 Varley saves. Then on Thursday, Avs fall 3-2 to the Dallas Stars, despite another incredible effort from McKinnon, which this time saw him rewarded with a goal and an assist on Mikhail Grigorenko's tally. Colorado outshot Dallas 36-22, but also took seven penalties, which I will now read what they were to you. Hooking, holding, slashing, goalie interference, delay of game, high-sticking, and high-sticking again. So, lots of carelessness there, and three were Zadorov, which saw him sit on Saturday, when the Avs win 3-2 over the Minnesota Wild, the total shots on goal through the first period were 20-21, to which was a thing. And then the Avs started the third period with scoring from Miko Ranton and Carl Soderberg and McKinnon again within 5 minutes and 30 seconds. They'd played pretty well all game, but it was great to see it pay off. Um, so that first period, 41 shots on goal. Did you guys even realize that? Because I didn't at the time. I did not either. I think somebody miscounted because um, it just, I mean, it didn't feel like there was 41 shots in that period. No, it didn't. I mean, it, it felt pretty crazy for a while, but then yeah. like towards the end of the period, I kind of found myself losing interest because not a whole lot was happening. I think shot attempts were something like 27, 25. I mean, it, I mean, it just, it, it was a back and forth fire wagon kind of thing, but it, you know, it didn't feel like there was that much shooting going on. I mean, that's a shot every, what, 20 seconds or something? It's ridiculous, right. yeah. It's a lot higher event hockey that we're used to seeing against Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, low event's been kind of the name of the game for the Avs this season. And, you know, Minnesota's never really high event. So it just, it, it was a big surprise when they just sort of, oh, by the way, there was 41 shots in that period. <laughs> Yeah, like, like what? That's just so many. Um, so did anything surprise you this week? I don't, I don't want to say it's a surprise, but, um, you know, just, just seeing uh, A.J. Greer come up and, and really fit in well was nice. First NHL point? Yeah. Got, uh, got an assist on the, uh, <clears throat> was it the Soderberg or the Randon goal? I think it was the Soderberg goal. But, it, you know, it, I thought he could definitely pull that off, but until it actually happens, you just really, you're not sure it's going to work like that. 
Um, and also last night it was nice to see him get some sort of two-way shifts rather than just be sheltered in the offensive zone. Yeah, that is an awfully nice surprise. Yeah. I just would never have predicted AJ Greer contributing in the NHL at this point. <laughs> never in a million years would I have guessed that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, he's he's been really good in the AHL, but you're just like, oh, you know, he's kind of, he's not really sheltered down there, but since he's along with Comfer and Grimaldi, their biggest offensive threat, they get put in the most offensively likely positions to to score and whatnot. And he really hasn't PK'd or anything like that. He took a shift on the PK for the Avs last night, which, you know, again, that's a big surprise since Eric Veyu doesn't use him like that in, in San Antonio. So um, he, he's shown he's he's fitting in well and that he's more versatile than he's shown in San Antonio. So that's great. Yeah, that's the coaching staff saying, well, how much can we trust you? How much can we use you? Like, just making sure that he's really going to want to stick with this team. Um, because that's a, that's a tight game against a divisional opponent. That, yeah. that you could that you really kind of need that game and you really kind of need it in regulation. So, I mean that they were using him as high in the lineup as they were and they were using him on the penalty kill. Uh, I think says uh, a lot about what the staff think about him and what they think about him forward. Not not just that they think he deserves those those minutes because he hasn't been up here long enough to really know, but that they're testing it to see will this work, you know, in all these different situations. Yeah, when when I saw him on the on the PK and, and taking shifts with Soderberg later later in the game, I was like, you know, they're auditioning him to take, you know, like a real role in the lineup. I mean, they're not just using him like some guy that they need because Duchesne and Landeskog are hurt. You know, they're they're seeing if this kid can fly for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'd be really surprised to see him get sent back down. Uh, I don't know if that would be the best for his development either. Uh, I want to see him play real games, and I, again, I'm pleasantly surprised he's playing as up in the lineup as he is, and has been more or less successful. I mean, he's not taking bad shifts. He's not committing bad penalties. Um, I think he's bringing some skill along with his kind of fiery personality that's really valuable for this team, uh, especially in the top six. Yeah, he has that look that I uh, I mentioned Ranson and having, which is that he just looks like he belongs. Mm-hmm. Or he he just he looks competent. He doesn't look like scared rookie running around trying to do things, but not quite able to. You haven't quite adjusted to the NHL speed yet. You maybe shying away from this and that. No, he's going out and he's making it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one of the best things is is his ability to go to the front of the net and and play you know, the screen take punishment role, which is something that uh, Coach Bednar has been trying to get people to do on the abs for you know, basically the whole season up till now. And finally, he's got someone that's willing to do that. Um, so it's it's sort of he created, he didn't create it, but it, he, he found a niche that's not being filled currently. Um, but we, I, I think we're all... Decent fans of AJ Greer at this point, um, and then the more that he continues to go to the front of the net, and the more that he continues to uh, keep that kind of physicality going, he'll make a lot more fans across the fan base. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
for 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 me, it's definitely watching him create it around and behind the net and seeing um, just the game that he brings overall. So, uh, as we look at our stars and scratches of the week, um, it reminds me that I want to ask both of you, how did you feel about Nikita Zadorov being scratched on Saturday? Strong statement. <laughs> you know, I, I watched the press conference after the game, and Coach Bednar was clearly not very happy with the actions taken on the ice. And But I'm not sure I expected him to be sitting in there. Eh, hold up, you're cutting up pretty bad. Well, I'll take over. Um, you know, it, it, this started a few games ago um, when he got demoted to the third pair with, with Boschman and, and taken off of the, the top pair. Um, and I remember JJ from BSN asking um, Coach Bednar about it. And, you know, he was just like, look, you know, he started out the season really nicely for us, did everything we asked, and... <laughs> You're not doing what I'm asking. Um, We're going to have to leave all of this in. <laughs> because, all right, talk about Zadorov, Ryan, Earl. Perfect. But, but anyway, you know, it, that turned into him not being as engaged on the third pairing and, you know, finally ended up with him taking two dumb penalties in the first period against Dallas, which, you know, would really put the team in a hole. <clears throat> Didn't play much after that, came back in in the third and took another dumb penalty. So, you know, Bednar was really pissed about that after the after the game. I mean, he, he's really made it a point not to name people by names, and he named after a bunch of cajoling by Terry Fry, he names Zadorov as, yeah, that, that, you know, that really wasn't what we were looking for. The consequences are real. Yeah. I mean, I think they were probably expecting him to sort of say like, golly, I just got demoted. Maybe I should, you know, try to get my job back or something like that. And then he goes and takes three lazy penalties. I mean, that's, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, he's a player that I feel has been among the best on the team so far this year, and this is a really bad week for him. Yeah, and so, you're going to have it. He's young. I mean, you know, playing a top-pairing role is really tough for someone that young. I mean, and, it's not very common. Yeah, and, and and I'm sure this probably won't be the last time that this happens. He'll probably go back up and start playing with Johnson again in a couple weeks or maybe even sooner, and then maybe, you know, a few months down the road he'll – you know, this this might happen again, but it's it's part of the process. Well, I think in every leadership situation, uh, having clear expectations is very important. And uh, even the negative reinforcement stuff, it, it's extremely important that that expectation is provided and people understand it. And, you know, uh, Coach Bender followed through on his threat. You know, that's not an empty promise. Well, and also, if you watch, if you watch the, the press conference after last night's game, he said that, look, you know, we talked to Nikita about this. You know, we explained, you know, what we wanted, what was wrong. Um, you know, he sat up in the press box and watched this game, and, you know, we're, we're going to put him back in the lineup, and, you know, we'll go from there. So, I mean, this isn't like they just told him to get lost and didn't talk to him. They, you know, they did exactly what you said. They were explaining what's going on and, you know, why it's happening. So, 
it's going to be as positive as it possibly could be, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it isn't that big of a surprise to anybody who heard that press conference after the Dallas game. I mean, and obviously, I mean, you, we read off all the penalties. Z wasn't alone on that one, but he was definitely the primo offender. Um, and it, it it's just not that surprising to see something done about it. Um, and I don't have much of a problem with it. It's one game. He'll be back on Monday. And uh, things are made very clear to him, and hopefully he'll be able to get back onto, you know, the kind of play that he had a little bit earlier in the season where he took a dumb penalty and I realized, wow, that hasn't happened in, like, two weeks. Yeah. Well, also, in, in the, you know, to give it optical fairness, when Cody McLeod took that asinine slashing penalty, he was benched for the whole game except for one shift after that. So yeah, and that was after a special team is when there's just nobody else arrested. Yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, it, it wasn't just they singled out Z. I mean, they, you know, they took care of Cody on that regard, too. So, um, we'll start with uh, our stars of the week, because... There can be no other choice for number one other than Nathan McKinnon. I had him too. He had like four or five points and probably 20, 22 shots and just beast mode in every zone and killing penalties and... Trade him. (laughs) Put him on the chopping block right now. The fantastic thing was... I mean, this is all occurring with no Landeskog and no Deshane, and, and he puts the team on his back as best he can and, and carries them through the week. Right. I mean, this is the only scoring threat the team has right now. Like, you have all your secondary scorers who pitch in a little bit here and there, but if you have one guy to, to key in on and one line to shut down, it has to be his, and he's doing this anyway. Against yeah. teams like the Los Angeles Kings. <laughs> yeah. Who are built to suppress all shots at all times. Well, when you cap it off with a goal, like the, the winning goal last night, I mean, he, I mean, that was just highlight reel Rama. That, that was, was just, just silly. The best goal ever, you know? <laughs> and, and we'll get back to the, uh, the, the 10 shots against LA in a minute. Um, but I'm just, I'm really glad to see him have back to back two point nights. Um, and hopefully his, on ice percentages can slowly start getting back to you know normal. <laughs> yeah, like something like six or seven percent shooting. Yeah, the Gosh, last time nice to see. the last time I checked, he was. And this has been a few days ago now, but he was something like top five in the league among forwards in uh, percentage of like sh- shots or shot attempts, one or the other. Like he was taking an elite level of the team's production. He was up there with Connor McDavid and Corey Perry and Sidney Crosby and elite, elite offensive guys like that. So um, who do we ha- Who else do we want to include in our list of stars this week? I, I was going to put the goalies in there as just the goalie position was incredibly solid for all three games. Yep, I think I can agree with that too. I will co-sign that one myself. Yeah, I mean... Except for one period, you know the, that first period against Dallas, the goaltending was very solid. And we'll 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 get to the goaltending later, but it's it's even tough to be too upset about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, three out of six sounds horrible, but I, I'm 
I'd say one was a little bit soft, but it wasn't pillow soft. And then there was one that was a tough one on the PK and one that was just about as magic bullshit as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> until we had another one on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but number three, who else do we have? You know how I had a good week this week was Blake Como. And he had not been very good this season. So I, I, I guarantee you he's had to have been injured before. I think he's finally getting healthy and he looks like it. Yeah, and that was good to see him back sort of last year's form. Right. I mean, the scoring still isn't coming, but, you know, he's, again, as you described, that secondary-type scorer anyway. I mean, just need him to be a good third-liner, and the team needs that. Yeah, he's been pretty decent. Um, we could, we could, I wouldn't put him over Como, but I would add an honorable mention to Andreas Martinson, who just continues mm-hmm. to play over his head every night. You know, one something I've been thinking about recently is contract extension with him. I wonder if that's something the Avs need to do. I'd wait until after Vegas. I would as well. Yeah, that does the expansion draft. Right. Um, one guy I'd also throw in there would be Miko, because um, he's also been in max boat of not, you know, playing well but not having anything to show for it, and he, you know, he finally racked up a couple of points last night. And, you know, we're starting to see what he's going to be able to bring when he's, you know, bringing his full fury every night. Yeah, well, you know, Miko's still very raw. Um, and I felt like when he was taken off of McKinnon's line, it showed. Um, yeah. But that line works together really well. And that and they practiced together today. It was, uh, it was Martinson, Miko with Mac in the middle um, as the top line. Right. And then... <clears throat> today so, today being sunday today being sunday it, it, when they were practicing in columbus waiting for columbus to come home so they can play him tomorrow um <laughs> but like, i think i i wasn't sure if those guys would work well together because they they're kind of you know before mac exploded this week they were kind of similar in my mind as far as what they like to do with the puck but now that Max just shooting from everywhere, I think that'll work a lot better. Who are we down on this week? <laughs> well, I think we got to put Zadorov in that category. Yeah. I mean, I, I doubt we'll mention him very often. And the, the uh, robot is, is back. Beat. He's got to be at the top of that list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think Z, hey, you know, it's a, it was a bad week for him. I'm, I think it's fixable, though. Uh, you know, hopefully next week he just sort of gets, you know, back on the bike and, and gets rolling again. Yeah, I don't want to spend too much time continuing to dump on the guy, so I will move on to mentioning Mr. Less Than Five Minutes a Night, Cody McLeod. Yeah. He's uh, not getting much ice and doing very little with it. Yeah. So is that an argument for giving more ice time? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's an argument for please stop dumping the puck in when you have two options to carry it in, including keeping it yourself, which then results in a good chance the other way for the other team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, by reinserting him into the lineup, we get to rediscover all over again how much of a drag he is on this team. <laughs> 
Well, it's just he's not yeah. even as good as he was last year. No. Not that he was that good, but he's even worse now. Uh, I mean, he's the type of player I'd love probably to have at practices, keep everybody engaged, but I'd rather A.J. Greer have his spot when everybody gets healthy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much of an argument for Cody over Greer right now. Yeah, and more spoilers, but we'll get to that as well. Um, who do we have for number one, two, three? I'm going to nom- nominate Smooth Johnny Mitchell for that. Okay. Um, he took a couple of dumb penalties last night. He's been doing that a lot lately. He hasn't scored yet this year. Now, let's let's be fair. His first penalty was not a penalty. Yeah, but again, I mean, it, it basically stemmed from not playing well as a group. So he just he took it for the team there. But the not scoring thing is really it's baffling. He has, I mean, going back to January of last year, he has nine points and none so far this season. So, I mean, not that's the to be all end all. He's basically in the lineup to win faceoffs, but I don't think that's enough anymore. You know, he doesn't look like a player that should score that little. I mean, he's got such yeah. a high skill level that you have to wonder what's going on. Yeah, I, that's. I mean, that that's why I'm kind of down on him. It just how is he not? It's like he's trying not to score or something because. <laughs> you know, it just seems like <laughs> should be scoring more. How do, how do you go through a, almost an entire calendar year with nine points and, and playing every game you're healthy? Not even a lousy secondary assist. Yeah, I mean, seriously. <laughs> so I, don't, I can't put my finger on why he's not scoring, but he isn't. I mean, part of that's going to be playing on the fourth line with players who don't finish either. But, you know, we've seen him play up in the lineup, you know, before with similar results. So Disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Why, why are you here, John? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, the waving a couple of weeks ago was telling. Um, How long it, could the team send him down after he's waved? Is it a month? I mean, I don't think they want to send him down. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I think that would just they may as well just buy him out at that point. I mean, it's just, you're, you're killing off the relationship by sending him down to the minors. I mean, you, you don't recover from that. Mm-hmm. I think they'd really like to trade him for someone that's, you know, can put up one point a month. That'd be better. Um, but I don't know. So explain to the lay people like myself here. What, what is the purpose of waving him? They I, were hoping someone would claim him is the obvious answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's the right answer, but it's the obvious answer. Well, there's two things. There's that, and if if he gets traded, he's still eligible to be sent down because mm. he's passed through waivers. I mean, as long as it happens soon. Right. So, so there could maybe there could be a handshake agreement in, in place then, where a team said, "Well, yeah, we'll we'll look at making this deal, but we don't really need him for we we want him for AHL depth, so you waive him first. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. So. You would think so. <laughs> I mean, this is the NHL GMs we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a tough situation for the Avs. I think they'd like to replace them with someone who's younger and can win faceoffs and might be named JT Comfer. Might, uh, might be his name. Yeah, um, 
but it's just it's tough to bring a comfort with people like Cody and 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 Mitchell sitting at this point. I mean, Mitchell might be a great backup plan if you know Comfort sort of has a Zadorov type episode where he plays well for 15 games, then kind of tails off a little bit and needs to sit. You know, it might be nice to have John Mitchell ready to t- take some fourth line minutes or something like that. But yeah, I'm not sure what's wrong with Comfort. He he's been injured for a little while. He started skating on Monday and then he stopped skating. So some people think it might be a concussion. Uh, they've got a bad flu bug going around down there. It might have been he got that after skating. I don't know, but Zika you know, virus. I, <laughs> I think, you know, I think Comfort needs a little bit more time than AJ Greer to fit in with the lineup properly, especially since he'd be more of a bottom six um, player. Right, and he needs minutes yeah. for his development. You know, right. You can't play him six minutes a night. Well, I mean, Mitchell's playing twelve minutes. Yeah. Right? So if you're taking twelve minutes, and that's what Greer's playing right now, so I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. So, um, Duchesne has uh, been out for a few games with, you know, the good old euphemism euphemism of concussion-like symptoms. Um, But apparently, he, according to an article that went up on the old dot com uh, earlier this afternoon, he has been. uh, Let me read for just a minute. Where is it? Uh, although he's been feeling good for consecutive days, Duchesne still isn't sure of his status for Monday's matchup. Um, so that tells you that he's been, you know, it doesn't say symptom-free. It says feeling good. But uh, looks like it's probably going to be game-time decision on Monday where Matt Duchesne is in. The, the quote for Matt in the article is, Obviously we had a day off there, so I couldn't get on the ice and see. But yesterday and today I'm feeling pretty good. It's still one of those things where I'll be a game-time decision, kind of figure that out. But I'd say I probably feel the best since I got hurt. So, yeah, it's getting better. Yeah. Um, and if you watch the – that came from a, an interview that they have on video there. And I, I, don't, I don't know how confident he looked that he was going to play tomorrow, but he might. He practiced with Greer and, and Soderberg today. So right. that would be nice. It's a game-time decision for Monday for Matt. I'm still mad that there wasn't any penalty on that hit. <laughs> Seriously. Or any fine afterward. It's on video. You can find Jacob Truba. I think it was careless. I don't know if that's something that they, you know, I don't know if DOPS would ever, you know, do additional or supplemental discipline for that. But oh, I mean, like, the dude's hurt. I mean, that's usually all it takes. Yeah. No matter what the play actually right. is, the you've the, taken out our best player. Yeah, that's what that <laughs> tends to be games. the criteria. Is dude got hurt? I mean, if you're a ref, though, would you call that a major right on the spot? Probably not. Yeah, but it, it, even if he just gets a minor penalty, then there's yeah. then, then DOPS is like, well, there was a penalty on the play, so we're good. And we probably win the game. Since, since after that they went back down the ice, somebody committed a penalty, and on that power play they scored. <clears throat> but you know, my grandmother had wheels; she'd be a wagon. Right. So, um, but when Duchesne is ready, who do we expect to come out of the lineup? Cody. 
agree. <laughs> Is there any other other choice? Probably not. It's three minutes and 48 seconds last night or something. I mean, you know, you don't need that. Now, the real question comes when Gabe Landeskog's unidentified lower body injury heals up. Because now you've got to make a roster decision. So. Not really. They're, they're still only going to be at 23 then. Really? Yeah. Because hmm. nobody's on injured reserve right now. Hmm. Yeah. Last night there were three scratches. It was Z, Duchesne, and Landy. So if those two guys go back in, obviously Z goes in for Jelena or whoever wants to sit. But if those two guys go in, you can scratch Cody and Mr. X. We're not used to seeing three scratches very often. Yeah, I mean, they <clears throat> when Greer was called up, there was a free spot. That's why there's no need for someone to go on reserve or get sent down. Uh, all right. Well, let's keep it how it is then. <coughs> yeah. But, I mean, who do you scratch? Uh, smooth Johnny. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's it's between him and Colborn, and I hate to say it, maybe Grigoranko. Uh, those guys, none of those guys are playing much. They're not. Um, Grigoranko needs a different role than he has right now to have success. You notice that too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he was fantastic. He was fantastic the third period in Dallas, and that was like the only time they've used him properly in the yeah. last weeks. You know, he's not a grinder. I mean, you, you can you can do third line with him, but you you just can't put him on the fourth and not play him for you know most of the game, and it's expect anything. He's got to play a lot to be engaged. It's just frustrating to see the same misuse that he's suffered his entire career. Just continue. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to be a primary scorer on any line he plays on. I mean, he's going to build up his points through assists and secondary assists. He needs well, kind he of a good alpha center. Dallas was nice. Yeah. You know, I mean, you put him in a spot where he's with skilled players and voila. You have, you know, a guy that can do stuff like that. I, I think what they need is enough people to make the third line a skill line. Right. Exactly. Right. And right now you're seeing young players like Rantanen and Greer come up that they're sheltering on their top lines. It's probably hurt players like Gregorinko the most. Uh, well, when we, when we look at the new lines, both from the end of the Minnesota game that they carried forward into practice on Sunday, I mean, you've got Duchesne, Soderberg, and Greer on a line. And then you've got McKinnon, Rantanen, and uh, Martinson, which leaves your third line to include Grigorenko and Aginla and what? Colborn, Mitchell? I think the third line's going to be... Como, It's going to be Como, Mitchell, and Iggy. And the fourth line's going to be Colborn, uh, Grigorenko, and whoever I'm forgetting. Cody. But, I mean, it's... <laughs> We can't keep using the fourth line as an island of misfit toys. Yeah. <laughs> it does have to function. But I think when Landy comes back in the lineup, I think, you know, you'd think that Greer would go down. Although what I would like to see, I think what might be really fun is if Landy comes back, you put him with Grigorenko and then, and then like Como or somebody like that. You know, you, you have a real third line that can do stuff. Because you put Landeskog and Gregor Anko together, that's going to be a good defensive line. 
that, that could provide a little offense for sure. And with Landis Cog coming back from what is it we think a foot injury? Like that's he, a, is that our guess? He he <laughs> blocked a shot at the end and, and that looked bad. He also fell down uh I think it was ten or fifteen minutes left in the third, kinda awkwardly into the boards. So it might have been like a, a tweak the knee kind of thing, or it could be from blocking the shot. Yeah, well he he finished the game obviously with his empty netter. <clears throat> yeah. But I just I I am always like, don't put Landis Gog on a third line. He needs more ice than that. But if he's coming back from a, from a lower body thing, then yeah, limit his skating. That's fine. Yeah. We can work it out when he gets back into into game speed. So, I mean, I, I kind of like that idea because that, you know, I, I think the goal is to get three good lines and then you got the fourth, you can put Mitchell and Iggy and Colborn down there to not do much. And that's obviously it's not a very good line that's probably going to get run over in terms of possession, but if they do go the right direction, they can still score. Right. Yeah. But um, as we look at some of these names, like I've, I've pulled up Cap Friendly just to kind of look at, you know, because we're, we're trying to figure out what do we do with these ineffective players. <laughs> but when you look at who the uh, UFAs for next season are, like – we don't even really need to worry too much about trying to find a trade partner or getting guys waived or whatever because next like in, this summer the contracts expire for Jerome McGinley, for John Mitchell, um, for Rainy Bork, for Feder Tutin, who was kind of okay up and down this week, um, and then also for Andreas Martinson, who I think we would all like to see hang around. Yes. Those are all the UFAs. You know, not including uh, 1T Matt and Gabriel Bork and then some other AHL names. Weirkoch, Weirkoch is a UFA too, right? RFA. He, he's RFA? Yeah. Okay. That's nice. That is nice. The RFAs next summer are going to be Grigorenko, Jelena, Zadorov, and Weirkoch. I think you tender all those guys, don't you? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm... I, I'm thinking we really might not want to keep Jelena too much longer. That may be a someone that gets traded to a cup contender come February. It's a tough sell, but <laughs> if we can get a fourth out of that. I know we traded a third for him last year, but <clears throat> he just doesn't seem to be fitting in that well. Yeah, Other RFAs include Duncan Siemens and Rocco Grimaldi, but that's obviously going to all be another conversation for another time. Yeah, I mean, you know, before I say anything about Rocco, I'd like to see him play, you know, two or three games with the Avs. I don't know if he'll ever get that shot, but he's almost single-handedly carrying the rampage with the nine people injured. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's go ahead and dive into that since we brought the guy up. How how have the rampage done without AJ Greer to put goals in for him? Strangely enough, they've been doing okay. It's it's sort of a testament to the system. They, they brought up all these call-ups and... Peace and blessings be upon it. PTOs and... I mean, it's it's not just from the Colorado Eagles. They're, they're bringing in guys from the South Carolina Stingrays and the Norfolk Admirals. I mean, you know, they're, they're combing the ranks for anyone to play since they're missing so many guys. Um, but they won two out of three games this week. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty surprising. Who'd they play? <clears throat> um... They played San Jose in a morning game, and they lost on Tuesday. On oh, one of those school games? Yeah, school day game. Oh, they're so weird. Yeah. 
Remember uh, when they had one either last year or the year before with the for the Marlies and it was like ten fights? <laughs> <laughs> they had hey, no. kids. <laughs> um but then they, they they beat the Charlotte Checkers twice this week and the, the Checkers are quite a good team. And uh I mean it, I, I don't know how they did it. That Friday night's game they, they played well, outshot them, you know, did all the things they usually do. Last night they they played fifteen games in thirty days, so they're just dead tired. Uh, last night they've got two goals and went in a shell for 40 minutes <laughs> and it ended up working out. And usually I hate that, but you know, it was pretty much the only way it was going to work out last night. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they just have a slew of injuries and let's, let's hear some of who it is. Well, Chris Bieger has been out for a long time with something we don't know. JT Confer has been out for a little while now. Um, Oh, let's see. The list is long and distinguished. Uh, Julian Antel's been out for a few games. Trent Vogelhuber, Ryan Stanton, uh, Jeremy Smith's been out for a while with a lower body injury. He was their starting goalie on opening night, but Spencer Martin's been absolutely fantastic in his stead. Um, Turner Elson and Jim O'Brien have been out for a while, and then Reed Petrick broke his foot in training camp. And still, and hasn't been in the lineup since. I wanted to talk about Spencer Martin specifically um, because of a tweet that came out of AJ Hayfley the other day, uh, may have been yesterday, where he was talking to an NHL scout who was kind of suspicious that Spencer Martin may be the next Matt Murray. So what's I, what's been going on with with Spencer? I mean, he's playing fantastic. Um, you know, he he's had a couple of rough outings, and it wasn't all on him. You know, I mean, there's one game where he won six to five, and that's never good for your save percentage. <laughs> and then there was one team, one game. It was the the team's worst game of the year, where they lost seven to one, and I think he let in four of those or something like that. But he, even with those, he's rocking a like a nine twenty seven save percentage, and his goals against is down, and like it's the down to like two point two, two point three. So he's he's really looking good. He's he's a lot further ahead than I would have thought at this point. And I mean, part of that's Jeremy Smith getting injured, and he's just playing all the time. But um, it definitely makes the, the decision of protecting Varlamov, you know, very clear at this point. I mean, we got to get out from under that contract. Yeah. Um, and if we, if we want to roll into that, I mean. Yeah, Varley's played great this week, but you look at his numbers compared to Calvin, and it's just, you know, I mean, you know, you know, Varley's playing really well, but I mean, he's four and eight. Calvin's four and one. And Calvin's played really well this week too. Yeah. Yep. And Varley's letting in like one goal a game more than Calvin. I mean, it's just I know that's not all on him, but it's just. You know what do you say? I mean, the numbers don't really lie about that. Yeah, his his high danger save percentage has been down this year. I haven't checked it lately, but that's that's been what's driving the issue. Is when the high danger chances come, just not enough for getting stopped. But the, like like we said, he was he was strong this week, just like Pickard was strong this week. Um, three goals on six shots to open up against Dallas was deceptive. Because yeah. one of those was a 90-degree hop off Tyson Berry's knee. Yeah. One of those was a giant penalty kill breakdown. Yeah. And the other was a semi-giant penalty kill breakdown. 
that maybe he's a little off his angle, but. And I, you know, I think last night with the, I don't know, the weird bounce off a weird cautious stick or a skate or whatever it was, yeah. shows that it, it can happen to both of them. It sure can. So, but it just turned out that Calvin won that game. Yeah. Know? And then like, and then he had another, like he had a, a penalty kill. Or no, that, no, that was the same goal. That was the one that uh, Rycroft did a, a pretty good breakdown on that showed um, the the puck coming into the zone and Soderberg like not like looking kind of lost, like he wasn't sure when he needed to support and when he didn't. And yeah, uh, and then, you know the the other goal against Calvin last night was yelling. I was just like, well, gee, I don't know, should I cover this guy? And then just gets turnstiled and then. And Cody's controller's disconnected right behind him. Yeah, and Barry has an oh shit moment and can't recover quick enough. And then the dude falls down, the puck bounces, and he slaps it into the t- into the roof. Like, give me yeah. a break. <laughs> you know? So, but it's, I, I don't know what it is about, you know, the, the comparison between the two guys, but it just seems like bad things happen to Varley more often. I don't know. There's no other way to explain it, really. It seems that way because when they go in, you remember them. Yeah. And if Pickard is stopping more of them, you don't remember as many of them. Yeah. That's where the, well, the team plays better in front of Pickard argument comes from. <laughs> it's because you don't remember all the crazy saves that he made. You remember, yeah. like, the craziest, but Pickard is so strong positionally that you don't always notice them. You don't always see when he's bailing the team out because he's just already there. Yeah, because they took stupid penalties last night. Not huh? seven. <laughs> yeah, not seven, but they still took a bunch. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's a good problem to have when, when both your goaltenders are playing really well. Um, we've, we've heard that we're going to go back to Varlamov on Monday, which is probably fine because Pickard saw 43 shots on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a lot for a guy who's not used to a starter's workload. Yeah. Yeah. Have him go head to head with his you know, team rush. Russia companion, uh, Bobrovsky. Varley vs. Bob, episode... I don't know, they probably haven't played against each other that many times. But just to go back to Spencer Martin for a second, I, I really do think the way that he's playing so far and the fact that he's had to take so much responsibility kind of... You know, it's accelerated his timetable a little bit and, and does make it uh, you know, a little easier if you did have to get rid of Varlamov at some point. You know, I, I don't. I wouldn't want to see Spencer in the NHL anytime soon. No. You know, maybe towards the. You know, I mean, if you know if something happens to one of the guys right now, they're going to call him up. It's, that's just the way it is. But and then do everything in their power not to use him. Because <laughs> <laughs> that dude needs some AHL spice. Yeah, um, but I I think you know if if Smith is out long term, and again we don't know what it is. It's a lower body injury, so. He got run into really hard, and that was the last we saw of him. Um, but, you know, in, in two months from now, Spencer might come up and, and play a game, maybe two, and, and show that he can hang at the NHL level, and that, you know, that would be a great thing to know. Oh, it's Especially because he's gotten so much hype from people who actually are able to watch him, uh, yeah. unlike me, that it just makes me, you know... When, when the actual numbers start coming in, then my eyebrow goes up and go, hey, maybe we've got something here. Yeah, I mean, you know, he still looks really young. He still overcommits a little bit. You know, he still gets trapped outside of his crease sometimes. And, 
he's got this thing where his glove hand sometimes gets used as a blocker and it just sort of bounces off instead of getting caught. But Oh, so he's got a little bit of Optimus Rhyme in him. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, if there's one thing that really needs work, it's probably catching pucks instead of having them bounce off his hand. Yeah. But other than that, I, I really like what I've seen so far. And we saw with uh, with Red Obera that you can you can beat the scrambling outside of your net out of a guy. Yeah, because <laughs> that stopped when he came to Colorado. Yeah, and he's I mean he's one of the top goalies in the AHL right now. I think he's leading the league in shutouts and in top three in save percentage. So well, good for him. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. Anything else that? Uh, you guys want to talk about from the the past week before we get into the next week? Yeah, I thought it was interesting when they were in Minnesota for the off day that uh, uh, both Bednar and, and Joe Sackick went up to St. Cloud State to see Tyson Jost play and had some pictures taken with them. So it's good to see that they're you know, keeping tabs on them and uh, that might give us some hope that, that Tyson Jost might be turning pro at the end of the season like a lot of people think. Yeah. Uh, it, it, did we get confirmation on that? It is Jost. Yes. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. I just want to call him Yost because that's what it looks like. I know. Yeah. I think in my head every time I read it. Well, maybe he'll change. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be the first person to change his name, although usually it's because they don't want the full hyphen on the back <laughs> of the jersey. Shout out to Magnus P. R. V. Svensson. But yeah, I mean. You, you, you just you, you sort of throw Miko and, and AJ Greer in, together and then you start thinking about Jost and, and Comfer and you know you, you stop thinking about signing idiotic contracts to people like TJ Oshie and, and seeing maybe what we've got with our youngsters and that, that gives right, a lot you kind of like the look of the pipeline right now yeah I mean there are young players that I want being called up for replacement roles right now and not veterans on one-year contracts yeah, and you know, there's there's more coming next year with Jost and uh, J.C. Bodan had a very good week. He was playing in the QMJHL versus Russia series and, and got player of the game in one of those games. Uh, then he comes back to the beloved Huskies, his team in the queue. The baby baby abs. The baby baby abs and and puts up a, a goal and seven assists in two two games this weekend. Holy God. Whoa. <laughs> That's a stupid numbers. It can't all just be the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. they score a lot up there in Quebec. Uh, just a good old eight-point weekend. Nothing big. Well, it's also, I mean, what's nice to see with Bodan is that he's not just a, a scorer. Is he's in that Canada or the QMJHL Russia series, he was kind of um, – you know, more of a two-way guy. You know, a lot of PK and, and things like that. And, and actually, I think, I think the goalie scored this weekend was a three-on-five, if you can believe it. Hmm. Um, so he's, you know, he's he's very responsible defensively as well as being able to put the puck in the net and, and make plays. He scored a double shorty. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. that's rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. man! Yep. So well, that's good uh, news. He's a player I've always kind of identified. You know, when I've during chances I've gotten to see him as being 
NHL caliber type talent, I think. He's very smart, and he, you know, it's just a, a real cerebral player. So, um, you know, I think he's really taking advantage of that this year. Is you know, really sharpening his skills to match up with how he thinks the game. But I, I think that's really going to benefit him next year when he comes you know, turning pro. Yeah, give him a chance to just kind of run around and do dumb stuff and learn not just what you should do, but what he's actually capable of getting away with. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we know that he's, you know, I, I don't want to slight Julian Nantel, but he's better offensively than Nantel, noticeably. And Nantel has been um, very good for the Rampage as far as uh, from a possession standpoint. Like, he really drives possession. Like, even when he was in the queue, I noticed as soon as he got the puck, he was going forward. You know, it's, it, it's sort of a, a mentality. But, you know, both those guys are sort of like that. You give them the puck and it's just it's getting out of the zone instantly and going forward. So uh, it's sort of different from prospects we've had in the, in the past. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, a shout out to Carl Soderberg, who got himself off of our schneid this week. And for the first time in like a month, wasn't one of our bottom three. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Here's to improvement. Yeah. Got Look, it's Carl. He scored. <laughs> Carl did it good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was good to see. I, I don't know what's been up with him. I, it's just not I, – I, can you guys put your finger on something that, you know, is going wrong there? Uh, he's not playing with Landeskog, um, yeah. which he excelled with and continued to excel with at World Cup. Um, and then – I don't know, just when, anytime I see, like, a play of his broken down, he just looks like he's n not making, like, it's not even that he's making the wrong decision, he's just not making any decision. Yeah. Like that, like the PK that, that Raycroft broke down, he's just like, I'm not, not going to support here, but I'm not really going to charge the point or cut off that passing lane either, but then when it comes across the other side of the blue line, that I'll chase. Like, <laughs> pick something. Yeah. He's definitely a guy you identify uh -oh. difficulty adjusting to the new system. Maybe that's what it is. I, I mean, that's got to be it because, I mean, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's being tentative in those situations, not making any decision rather than a bad one. Yeah. I I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it improve enough that, you know, I guess it's to the point where probably wouldn't miss him if he got taken by Las Vegas. So we need to get that up to the point where Las Vegas would consider taking him. Yes. <laughs> and his contract. Yeah. I mean, right now he's got, what is he? I think he has two goals and an assist in 17 games. You know, that's not that tough. Yeah. For the I mean, we all think he overachieved a little bit last year, but. You know, you still need more out of your number two center. Yeah, I mean, he should be, you know, you know, high thirties in points at least. You know, probably forties would be better. Right. <coughs> well, coming up this week, um, what did you have? No. Okay. Uh. Coming up this week, on Monday, Colorado will have already arrived in Columbus to take on the surprising Blue Jackets. That's a five-mountain start on altitude. 
Then on Wednesday, we're back for another homestand, but it's it's extra late uh, because of television, because of the good old Wednesday night rivalry that you can't have any games going on during. Um, Edmonton comes to town first, and it's an 8 o'clock home start on Altitude 2, the Ocho. Then on Saturday, Vancouver's in town for another 8 o'clock home start, thanks to Hockey Night in Canada. That one's on Altitude and CBC. It's a six-game homestand that continues next week with uh, matchups versus Nashville, Columbus again, and Dallas again. Maybe it's five games. Maybe I, for some reason, called Columbus a home game when I did that math, because I don't think there's another one after that. I think it's a five-game homestand. That's plenty. <laughs> That's yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Want to get comfortable? Considering the the following road trip then goes right back to Nashville, we're gonna be sick of those guys. <laughs> I am already. <laughs> 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 I don't need any more convincing. Uh, uh, it's PK Subban and excited. a very unlikable team around him. Right. <laughs> I'm. I'm pretty excited to see Columbus. I don't want to see him hang 10 goals on us, but um, I'm interested in seeing this team that's really, really scoring well. And I hope they can rub off a little bit on uh, our team that's not scoring a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think JB's going to have this one circled on his calendar just because, right. you know, they, they kind of you know rescued him from being fired from the, the Blues organization and gave him a job and... Four years later, here he is coaching in the NHL against them. So, yeah, Columbus is one of the teams in the East that have a higher goal differential than anybody in the West. Yeah, teams in the West aren't big on goal differential this year. No, I don't know what's going on. It's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, I think the Avs are they're negative eleven, and it's not even that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But Columbus are uh, getting a little bit of help in the percentages department. I'm actually looking right now to see which direction is driving it. They've got a 103 PDO, but it's not like particularly close to their shooting and save percentage on Corsica. 10 percent, 10% team shooting percentage. That's a little high. That'll do it. They, <laughs> That'll do it. They are second behind the Rangers somehow, who are shooting 12.85 percent. Yeah, the Rangers are just. Good God. Yeah. Meanwhile, Colorado Avalanche are fourth at five and a half percent. Oh. <laughs> it sounds worse when you have to hear it. <laughs> uh, like I know it's bad. I just when I hear it quantified, so much worse. It's just nice to know that it has that much to go higher. Yeah. Over the course of the next few months, it just keeps rolling and getting better and better. And by the time March rolls around, we'll probably probably just stop losing games altogether. Oh yeah, well, yeah, we'll, I think that's the plan. We'll go back to that original thought that we were having: is will Coach Bender ever lose a game again? Yeah. And the answer, <laughs> of course, will be no. It'll be a sixteen and zero playoffs run. The cup is so ours. Yeah. <clears throat> So this week, it's Columbus, it's Edmonton, it's Vancouver. It's a lot of big surprises. Um, well, two big surprises. Because Columbus are in a wild card spot and no one expected that. And Edmonton are second in the Pacific and no one expected that. And Vancouver are brutal and everyone expected that. Well, the Oilers have not been playing well lately. They, they've regressed quite a bit since their hot start. 
And I think McDavid's gone nine games without scoring, too. Trade him. Yeah. He's worthless. <laughs> that doesn't bode well for Colorado. No, it does not. <laughs> Who are you going to call? <laughs> Slump busters. Want to get well? Come on down to Denver. So, dudes, if you're in town, if you're if you're still in Denver the day before Thanksgiving, hit up the Pepsi Center and watch you some Connor McDavid hockey. Hat trick incoming. Although, didn't he just have one, like yesterday? Yeah, that, that was the first game he'd scored in it after not scoring for nine. That's what it was. Because yes. I, I saw somebody say, well, thank goodness he has some hats to wear now. And I was like, that's a good way to look at that. Yeah. Imagine if you weren't allowed to buy hats if you were a hockey player. Just wear the ones from your hat tricks. <laughs> I know. It, th- this is a tough week. I'm going to say we're definitely going to beat Vancouver. But the other two, gosh. I wonder if Landis Scott gets back for the homestand. I mean, he's not in he's not in um, Columbus now, so he's he won't play before uh, Wednesday, right? So I think we can ex- well, probably need expect him, but still... Duchesne, though. At this point, right? Yeah, Unless I'd he has say... a setback. Yeah, I'd say Duchesne by Wednesday will definitely be in. He just he looked a little iffy about himself during that interview. <clears throat> like maybe he yeah, didn't coach are... to say certain things. No, he just looked <laughs> like he wasn't too sure he was going to be playing the next night. <laughs> ah, he wanted to be sure. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, just you know, he didn't want to be put on the spot. Like, are you going to play tomorrow night? You know, and he was kind of like, it's game time. We'll see how I feel. So. I mean, at least it wasn't shining people and saying, oh, yeah, you betcha. I'm a team guy. I'll be there. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Yeah. And those are I'll two four points pieces there. I think we're going to lose tomorrow and win the next two. Uh, I say we lose the middle one. We lose to Edmonton. The other two we win. I think I agree with that. Um, and I think that the Edmonton game will be just probably the most fun game to watch since the season opener. Um, because both teams are so similar that they have so much offensive power and such a passable but not that great defense. Yeah, part of the reason Edmonton has is, is been a little cool is because Chris Russell, of all people, got hurt. Huh. And he had been really good for them. To the chagrin of many, I heard that on Sirius XM. That's how I keep crying. <laughs> That's an unsponsored recommendation there. But if I'd also, if there's any team that has a real good shot to beat Colorado in overtime, it's probably Edmonton. Yeah. So that makes it the most likely loss of the week. Um, Vancouver's a pretty likely loss of the week because of slump busters. And Columbus is a pretty likely win of the week because both teams have to, you know, play normally at some point. I just can't see how you can look at Vancouver and think they could beat anybody. They, I mean, they've got seven wins. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but four of those were in the beginning of the year before they started figuring out that they were terrible. Yeah, I, I want to think they've trailed, like, 
the most in the league by a wide margin. They haven't led the lead, the least. That's what it is. They've had the least leads. I think it. I think they just went over an hour. Didn't they? Didn't those first four games? Didn't they win all of them without leading? Yeah, I know two of them are in overtime. Yeah. I want to think they like hmm. almost never led in four wins. Like what? Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> what is this voodoo? I don't know how many games they played. I think they played at least fifteen. I think everybody has. So they, they played nineteen. Nineteen. So they're only, only Winnipeg has played more. <laughs> they're leading less than three minutes and twenty seconds a game. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty poor. Yeah. Yeah, you got to beat that team. That's a very uninspiring lineup. Yeah. yeah, and I think Monday's a schedule win, so eventually one of those has to go the right way. Eventually. Who's uh, Columbus playing the night before? Columbus played yesterday. Um, uh, and no, they, they, played, they played today against Washington. That's what it was. Oh, so they got so they okay. got to go run around and chase the Capitals and then fly home and play the next day. It was an afternoon game. I don't know if they won or not. but I don't know, but I can find out. They lost. No, they won 3-2. to two. Oh, cool. <laughs> so they're just going to be complacent as hell. Yeah, they uh, well they scored two in the third period. <laughs> they they scored with fifty four seconds left. Yeah. So they are going full uh, division winning Avalanche here. Yeah. The shot totals they gave they only gave up twenty one to Washington, so that's incredible. Yeah, I'm, wow. I'm just wondering. They've had really good metrics, and I'm just wondering like how Tortorella is doing this because it's just what he's not that guy. Okay, here's the shots. <laughs> the shots by period in the second, four to four. No, that's what it says. Oh, get out of here! What a grind. Playing shit. <laughs> Someone melted the ice that period. I think that's like rampage hockey. I think the the first period against uh, Charlotte on Friday night <laughs> was six to six, and that seemed generous. And also, meanwhile, around the league, Carolina's ahead of Winnipeg right now, 2-1. to one, So, go Carolina. Do the thing. So, uh, it sounds like we're all pretty much on board with a 2 and one week. We're just in disagreement over which game will be the one. Yeah. I'll be the contrarian. That's fine. Someone has to be. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, whichever... Uh, Whichever game ends up being the one, you know that you can find out here. Uh, and we will be having a show next week. We talked about that uh, earlier. We will all be around next week, so you can count on us to be around in your ear holes next week. Um, you can get the latest ads, news, and updates at milehighhockey.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey. And you can follow us on Twitter, also at milehighhockey. Uh, and you can follow me there, Steve Alice 11 Earl is something, McKinley06, is that right? That's correct. And uh, Ryan didn't on there a whole lot. He's not going to tell you his account, apparently. <laughs> nope. It's not TR coming. Underscore. It's TR underscore Murph. Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. Well, of course, we're going to have a night-legged turkey. We'll give out the turkey leg of smash-mouth hockey rock.
I don't I don't know how many times we talked over you, Ryan. I'm sorry. Your connection is bad. It is bad. I'm terribly sorry for that. I'm on my phone. It was better than this last time you were on Not your phone. Under, uh... I just wondered what's going on. Are you driving around? You still can't hear me. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> me? No. <laughs> no, I'm just down in Denver. I kind of got thrown off by the whole uh, you guys don't live the same time zone as me thing. Oh. <laughs> I, that's why Sorry. I always include the time zone when I give us a time. I put ET. I know. Time. Yeah. I just wasn't thinking. Are you going to go see the posies tonight? Huh? Yeah. That's that's why I'm still down here. Nice. I didn't even know that was a thing. What? <laughs> You broke up. <laughs> no, you broke up. Oh, all right. 